today I'm having a chat with Stephanie, who does beautiful and most of all fascinating esoteric and sound healing work and has been at it for a decade already. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Great, Elaine. How are you? Good. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you want to join me and have this conversation about your work. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Um, so how about you introduce yourself first? Tell me a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what your background in music is. Sure. Um, so I was originally born on a little island called Taiwan, which is a part of China. And um, then I moved to California. So usually I would just say I'm from California. And mm. I've lived there for more than a couple of decades. Um, it's totally my home. Home is was San Francisco for a long time until a couple of years ago when my partner and I started to travel extensively. As a musician, um, I guess I started maybe when I was five or six playing okay. the piano. Um, I then went on to become kind of classically trained during university, studying to be a composer and, um, and also studying about media arts and technology, electronic music production, etc. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's how I started. And then my journey took me further into all types of other things related with music. I don't know if you want me to get into it, but including sound healing and um, more of like the spiritual aspect of music and then bring all of that into my music and now kind of like giving back to the community in a different way mm -hmm. to a musician community. Yeah. So how do you typically start your day? So before we get into, you know, the nitty gritty of your work, Let's just talk a little bit more about, you know, you and, and what your life is looking like right now and what it used to look like before. So how do you do you typically start your day in general? Like, say, in 2019, what does your day look like? In 2019? Mm -hmm. Well, my day usually starts um, with me kind of before I even get out of bed, I would ask kind of check in and say, hey, how are you feeling? <laughs> That's nice. I love that question but I find it really helpful because um, because we're, we're so open you know as human beings and we're all built differently so it, it really helps me to just kind of ask how are you feeling right now are you feeling like yourself is this all self-generated stuff just kind of like first thing in the morning just kind of checking with myself gently and then it's usually followed by three things that doesn't happen in any kind of particular order, but definitely a shower, a really substantial breakfast with my partner, mm. um, like full eggs and avocado and bacon, like a really substantial breakfast. <laughs> and then there's a meditation and that kind of varies depending on the day schedule. It could be a 10 minute thing. It could be if I had the luxury up to an hour or even more if I have the luxury. But um, yeah, of it, just a meditative practice where, where I get to drop in and listen to my spirit, um, connect with my, what I call the energetic physiology of myself mm -hmm. and kind of like run energies to clear my space, get really grounded and connected to above and below. And yeah, and just kind of like listen to, to, um, to my spirit, I guess. Mm -hmm. like, supposed to be doing that day I love that I love that practice it's so beautiful now 
what did your life look like before you began your esoteric and sound healing work? My life? Um, I worked for very extensively for a video game company doing sound effects and um, a dialogue rich like voice library. I worked a lot and um, I played a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was a gradual, it was kind of like a gradual transition. So mm -hmm. the meditation, spirituality have always, the, the unknown world has always been a huge interest in my life, but it became gradually more and more hands-on and mm -hmm. it became kind of like a living practice throughout time. Mm. Is that something that you um, like got from your family, your parents, or is it something that you discovered in your more adult life by yourself? You know, the spiritual you know, sense. I, I, I grew up in an environment that's kind of devoid of any kind of uh, uh, belief system when it comes to spirituality like that. There was a lot of like local practices of Buddhism, but it w I wasn't very feeling that when I was growing up. But I was always kind of like tuned into the magic of the world, you know, mm -hmm. like little synchronicities and and the magic, like just in the natural world. So, so didn't have a practice of anything. Um, my parents weren't weren't religious for sure. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily spiritual I would say that's something that my father pursued later in life in a big way okay. and it gives me a lot of pleasure because I was able to talk to him about you know these deeper kind of like contemplations and yeah and, and understandings yeah beautiful okay now can you remember before I mean you just shared that you transitioned into a more you know esoteric and spiritual work but can you remember or recall how you were feeling in general before you really made that that shift into the work that you do now that's a really good question i think i didn't fully know if i were to sum it up i didn't fully know who i was mm. um i was more like i would say i was more at the effect of the world as opposed to being clear and being aware and being a cause mm. yeah and i was I, I would say that i was also a lot of times unaware of what was you know the driving force behind my emotions or certain feelings um and thoughts so, yeah yeah it's, it's really different and of course not to mention like how i felt physically so I was also less connected to my body. Yeah. Uh, I smoked like cigarettes for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of came to a halt, like a really sudden halt. I think when my energetic system just became, you know, normalized at a new level. But there was a lot of like disconnection between the body, the different emotional spheres and the different thought spheres. Mm -hmm. and. Um, if I were to feel how I felt then, now, mm. I would say I would be really anxious and uncomfortable. And, mm. and um, I think when your energy is more, not just strong, but kind of like uh, complete, yeah. um, 
like stimulants and everything else, like caffeine just have like quadruple or more the effect, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I would I would know if I was drinking as much coffee or, you know, like putting myself through nearly as much stress as I used to today, mm-hmm. I would definitely be like, wow, I, I would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally understand that. Yeah. So you said at a certain point, all of that came to a halt. So how, how did that happen? What was kind of the turning point? Well, the quitting smoking was a, was a, was a, like a pretty sudden halt. It was just like all of a sudden I reached a point where like, I'm like, wow, I'm able to actually get in touch with the energy all around me and I'm not being drained um, I have the tools now to not be drained to constantly be trying to trying to like fill up again. Mm. So when that threshold was reached, all of a sudden I'm like, no, I don't need this anymore. And then what shortly after that followed was also like I didn't want to drink coffee anymore, and I shifted to tea. And I think shortly after, in maybe a year or something, I'll probably shift out of it out of tea and shift into something else. Mm. You know? So, yeah, um, it was kind of like that, but the, the more of like the spiritual and meditative practice was developed. I would say like over a span of eight years. Yeah, year, gradually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you've shared with me that you studied a lot of different modalities, ranging from ancient chants to planetary tones, played by tuning forks and singing bowls to sonic sacred geometry, and then into your life came cymatics that caught your attention so tell me a little bit more about that how did that happen yeah cymatics was really interesting to me and it had this magnetic pull when i first saw cymatic visuals um, in 2d i was just immediately entranced and then uh, when i saw cymatics done in in 3d basically a, a you know an image of a sound wave mm-hmm. yeah. yes the frequencies combined together and I was just like completely blown away because it was like taking a look at a glimpse of how a cell might have been formed in water or mm-hmm. like just amazing beautiful organization yeah. that sound wave does to a material that's physical yeah so, so can you explain my introduction to that was the physical uh the the the, the visual domain and then mm-hmm. I dove into kind of the sonic yeah. uh, domain cymatics which is called cymotherapy mm-hmm. which uses uh three to five different sine wave frequencies combined together um usually forming like intricate beat frequencies in between them or sometimes like two beat frequencies at the same time and we apply that to the body directly okay. causing probably you know awesome things inside the body because we're made of so much water right yeah so, so we're probably being like put through a beautiful cymatic pattern inside our bodies when we're undergoing that kind of thing mm-hmm. So can you explain a little bit to people who have no clue what cymatics are or what therapy is? Like if you would be able to explain it maybe in one or two sentences what it is, how would you explain it? Sure, cymotherapy is uh, the use of three to five different just 
simple sign tones combined together. And then uh, usually a practitioner that's working with this modality will apply these different kind of frequency combinations directly on your body or maybe like off your body by a few inches if we're working on the emotional and etheric field, biofield of the body. And um, that would ultimately cause a resonant effect. And mm -hmm. also you can think of it as kind of just tuning the body into the frequency that it's supposed to be vibrating at if there's anything that's out of sync. Right. And um, how do you apply that exactly? Is it through a certain machine or? Yeah, um, I work with frequencies stored in my computer and a modified handheld speaker. And also I work with a machine that is actually made by a company in the US. Okay. And Interesting. And how how did you come you know come across that company and why did you decide to use that particular machine well i think it was just through my own research because i became so interested in uh 3d cymatics and um i ran into some scientists who were doing these high resolution imaging of 3d cymatics in water mm -hmm. And so I started to do some research with them and I was doing a lot of uh, intermediate art at the time. So I also helped them produce a few musical pieces mm -hmm. that uses this as a visual medium. But through that group of scientists, I basically found another group of people who are actively using cymatic frequencies as a mode of therapy yeah super interesting this is so intriguing to me it's insane um can you tell me a little bit more about um how it has changed your life ever since you started to do this work and to apply cymatics and cymatic therapy oh absolutely so it it has done things to me on an energetic level that's very profound and i would say i think we've spoken about this before but um i had a occasion where i think as holistic practitioners we all maybe secretly want an opportunity to um to just use what we preach on ourselves so we can know that it works exactly like how you know, it's supposed to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, I totally relate to that. <laughs> so I had this opportunity of um, of having to do a laparoscopy in which to, to remove a little dermoid cyst. Mm -hmm. So it's a minor surgery, and I did, I'm not a big fan of painkillers, and yeah. I wanted to always avoid any situation to take anything like that. So. So I was really excited because because I get to do cymotherapy on my own. Mm -hmm. So um, so I basically at the time I was having a home practice and I basically moved into my little therapy room, um, which wasn't requiring me much. It was just a simple matter of moving from the third floor to the first floor, and um, and I just kind of spent a lot of time in there using all the different physical healing frequencies on myself yeah um and i was wrapping myself in this sonic warm cocoon 
of different types of healing frequencies and being able to really tune in to which one does what. Mm -hmm. um, I was also doing different types of like brain entrainment frequencies right. to, you know, like what if I, what, what's really the effect? How do I feel about the pain if I just put myself into a delta state or, you know, how do I feel about the pain if I put myself into a theta state? Is that different from the delta state? And do these kind of experiments. And, and I think that was the shifting point for me when I was really like, wow, you can do so much with the sound. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To be seen as something that's just like sonic and not physical is very, very physical. Yeah. And also because you just took your time to really experiment and, and feel what is doing, you know, what effects are happening and really going through it yourself. That is that is so interesting and so amazing that you 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 know you did that, I think, because then you're really living proof of what it can do and you can better explain it to the people that you work with. Right. Definitely. So talking about people that are your clients, like who are they? Who are your clients? Well, I'll tell you what they were. So I, <laughs> in my healing practice, I went through so many different iterations of evolutions. And um, it's, always, I'm, it's always pulling me in a certain direction that doesn't become apparent until after the fact. So, so when I had the opportunity of experimenting on my own, I mm -hmm. wanted to focus my practice on helping people predominantly to heal from surgical, surgical trauma or other types of physical trauma. Yeah. Because that was, that, that was something that I just thought was so powerful at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I did that for a while. That was my focus. And then my focus shifted because I think partly because um, SEO just got better and there's different types of people coming to see me for different physical or emotional things aside from what I was pointing out as a focus. Mm -hmm. um, and that allowed me to kind of glance behind the scene and I was able to notice that despite the physical ailments that people were coming to me for, they all share something in common, which is they were all going through a massive transformation in their life. Yeah. So I thought, well, perhaps this means that they're being drawn to me because they also need the energetic and the emotional support to go through this transformation in their life. Yeah. And around the same time, when I was thinking about, wow, how interesting is it that, you know, the universe is like broadening my my opportunity and broadening my my scope of practice mm -hmm. i was thinking to myself it's interesting and kind of ironic at the same time because <laughs> sound healing is holistic right like we think about it as a holistic and alternative practice yeah um, but if you consider the definition for holistic is characterized by the belief that you know parts of something are intimately interconnected and explicable only by reference to the whole yeah. So it's always about addressing the overall state rather than like focusing on putting a bandage and addressing the symptom of something, right? Right, exactly. And it was really interesting and ironic for me when I saw that. I was like, huh, how <laughs> interesting because I chose to use initially the holistic method to address something, but 
not in a holistic way. I was wanting to put like sonic bandages on people who are injured and putting it on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely put. <laughs> yeah. And then when I was working with people with transformations, I was also, it was allowing me to see like, huh, how interesting because a transformation is, you know, it is a fire and it's allowing us to like rise above and go through that and kind of basically get rebirthed like a phoenix, right? Exactly. Kind of reinvent yourself or just go into like a totally different thing. Um, but that also is a spiritual fire, you know, if you think about mm -hmm. it. And I was like, then I started to really think like, what would be a holistic approach to this? So that's when my conversations with my partner and also other healers start to go into the direction of like how to act actually build a sustainable life mm -hmm. um maybe it's systems thinking i'm not really sure i think i think it just shifted into that direction so so mm -hmm. client wise i've worked with people with physical trauma and i really enjoyed that it's just so rewarding to see everyone like heal physically and it's so easy to see the result you know yeah just kind of like bounce away and and then i worked with people who are going through uh tremendous personal transformations mm -hmm. it be like a huge career change it could be a huge uh perspective in relationships whatever it was at the time for that person and then um and then it shifted again because what was becoming rewarding was wanting to help to facilitate in building a life that's sustainable yeah before you get to the fire stage so mm -hmm. so now our clients um i formed a different practice with my partner and it has a a, a very grounded outlook um and it doesn't necessarily come across as very esoteric and spiritual Mm -hmm. on the offset um we just we we integrate a lot of the mindset stuff in a really grounded way and and really hands-on way and we help musicians and independent artists basically build a sustainable way of life yeah and that of course includes like a lot of self-exploration and, and comes from un really deeply understanding yourself to begin mm -hmm. with yeah exactly i totally resonate with that because that's you know in my opinion and in my practice it's at the core of everything because once once you have that you're at that stage you can actually you know form a vision of what it is that you really want what your purpose is and then you can take actions with effects otherwise you will keep trying the same thing over and over and expect different results and that just drives you insane because nothing really changes if you don't really change your outlook on things absolutely yeah you, like if you, your perception is that you can't actually have this thing that is truly aligned with you then mm -hmm. you're always going to be making choices where you kind of um not really representing yourself fully <laughs> yeah exactly totally so speaking about artists what is your take on artist well-being artist well-being mm -hmm. so much plays into it um again i think it all comes to starting with a deep awareness of who you are mm -hmm. and how you operate in the world um 
a lot of artists are actually super, super empathic and perhaps even introverted. Yeah. And you know that we we hear that about Prince, right? Like really big ones,、uh, Trent Reznor,、mm-hmm. even Jimi Hendrix. They're actually known to be introverts, but there they are, like in the world, doing this thing that just pours out huge, massive amounts of energies into the crowd. You know, and and that has a lot to do with artist well-being because、mm-hmm. if you know yourself. And you know your energetic physiology, and you have the tools to. How do you put it? Basically, like you have the tools and ways to plug yourself back into the energetic grid and recharge, and you know yourself well enough to know when to do that. Yeah.、Um, it does a lot. Yeah, and it does impact your well, your life and yourself in general, but also your career. Because you have more focus. If anything, it makes it more sustainable because、mm. it'll、um, it'll prevent burnouts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also the longevity of their career. You know, also the people who work with them. You know, they are also dependent on that. So it also benefits their entourage and everyone around them. Absolutely, the whole ecology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the biggest challenges, according to you,、um, for well, you know, I work specifically with DJs and producers, you know, who are facing struggles in nightlife. But I mean, I think it also applies to musicians in general. What are their biggest challenges, according to you? One of the biggest challenge I see amongst musicians, independent artists, is that they don't. Believe in a deeply at the very core. They don't believe in a financial model that works out for them. So, so、um, there's a lot of there's a lot of agreeing to do things that at their core they don't agree with.、Mm. Um, there's a lot of、uh, I see a lot of selling oneself short.、Mm. Yeah,、um, I see a lot of. Overworking and kind of not knowing what your boundaries are. Exactly.、And、I also see like a confusion in how they represent themselves. Like maybe they have this side of themselves that's so beautiful and this voice that really has like so much to offer into the world, but they don't think it's accepted. It,、mm. They don't think it will be accepted. Yeah. And that is also related to you know finding the people that you'll be able to speak to. Mm-hmm. Instead of like just saying, "Oh, my message will not be heard," and changing、yeah. your message as a result of that. Yeah. So, what, according to you, what can we, the music industry in general, do to help artists live healthier and happier lives, and by extension, careers? That's a really, really good question. I mean, I think, I think ultimately, that's happening. All in the world, right? We're always kind of raising the vibration, just a little bit at a time, and then、mm-hmm. we reach these like smaller groups of people will come to some aha moments and understandings, and all of a sudden we, you know, like diaspora that idea out, and we're able to break through to the next frequency level, and all of a sudden there's 
new levels of practices. Like like you see that in the world of work. Like the world、yeah. of work in the seventies and eighties, or even nineties, is really different than the world of work today. And people's、mm-hmm. work ethics are already way healthier today. In True. Just kind of your run of the mill kind of workplace, you know, like corporations. Yeah.、Um, And the same thing has to happen in the music industry too, and I think it's really a two-way street because the artists need to know themselves,、mm-hmm. yeah, and what and, and say no to what's not good for them. Exactly. <laughs>、um, and the music industry also has to. I want to say just. Everyone, just come on. Let's be humans and, and let's understand ourselves and know what we want for ourselves and offer that to other people as well. Yeah, to put the humanity in it rather than always trying to find the next business strategy or the next, you know, money opportunity or whatever it is that people do in a business. Right? I mean, right. Right, and again,、yeah. it comes to sustainability. I was actually listening to your、um, your interview with. Was it Stopros? Yeah, yeah, they were so great. That was really enjoyable, and、um, and they were they were saying something about how like come on if you if you work with an artist and and it's not in a way that's not good for them, it's going to ultimately shorten their career span, which isn't really you know isn't really the The, the profitable way to go in a longer vision kind of yeah things anyway totally yeah <laughs> I mean you know and they are I mean they've been they've been at it for for a while and their career kind of well especially the touring part of it kind of blew up all of a sudden so coming coming from them like themselves also as an artist but also they run a label and they you know they. They work with other artists, so they know both sides, and that's what makes it interesting and, and important for people like them to, to speak up about that and to reimagine and rethink new models in which you know artists and labels and just industry professionals can work together. In my opinion, right? And it's a great thing that they, you're right. They're they're involved as artists and as labels, so. So、mm-hmm. hopefully it's just kind of like this. Everyone's coming to more realizations, and they're involved in labels. So, so、mm-hmm. that will be just another level of everyone just kind of waking up to this new reality. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay, I have two more questions to round up this really beautiful and fascinating conversation. There's so many nuggets of wisdom in here, and I want to take out a little bit more, if I may. <laughs>、um, so. What are your top three quick and easy tips for, you know, DJs, producers, musicians in general,、uh, for a happy and mindful daily routine? Happy and mindful daily routine. Yeah, top three tips. Okay. <laughs> I would say tip number one is have. A solid,、um, have a solid tool that you can go to. Like, if it's a short meditation, great.、Mm. If it's a just a visualization of being grounded and being, you know, like taking a quick energetic shower, great. Just having a super solid tool that you can always go to、um, that 
doesn't require a lot of time. Maybe it's, you know, it, it will look like to other people as simply you just went into the bathroom break or something. Yeah, and exactly. Something that you can run through your mind and kind of reset yourself, like mm-hmm. a quick reset tool. And you can take that on the road and do it anywhere. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Okay, so that was number one. That I would say that was number one. And the second is, is nearly impossible, but on a rolling 72-hour basis, make sure to get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, meaning, you know, if you usually need like seven hours a day, then if you're getting three, then just kind of binge and nap throughout the day to kind of catch up. Mm-hmm. Because sleep really, you can you can sleep and not eat that much, and you'll be doing just fine. So that would be my second tip. Awesome. All right. And number three. Number three is. Number three is know when to retreat. Um, to just have a little bit of solitude and silence mm-hmm. and not push yourself beyond the boundary. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good you one. Just needed to take, even if it's a quick little like 10 minute, half, half an hour thing, just kind of like unplug yourself and just turn everything off and know how to do that and know when to do that and know that that no one's going to get mad at you for that because mm-hmm. you're there and you'll be 10 times stronger. That's such a good tip. Thank you so much. Okay, so to round up, was there anything else that you wanted to share? Anything else that you wanted us to know? Well, I want everyone to know that Elaine is running an awesome show and... and <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, appreciate it. on a lot of awesome groups and different individuals doing great things in the world. Okay, thank you so much, Stephanie. I so appreciate it. Thank you for all of the fascinating stories that you shared and for your vision and your inputs. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that a lot of people will find it as fascinating as I did. Thank you so much. Thank you.
that's it it's a wrap i hope you enjoyed this show if any of this resonated with you feel free to reach out and let me know you can do so on facebook mind the music radio or you can go to my website theunicornmothership.com to discover more i'm also giving away one free 30-minute discovery call to anyone who's interested in personal and transpersonal coaching During this call, we will discover what your most current issue is in music or in life, talk about why you decided to reach out now, scan your level of self-awareness, look at how coaching can help you and talk through anything that may hold you back from taking the plunge and move forward with coaching. You can also find more info and interesting resources on my website and on my Facebook page, Mind the Music. That was it. I look forward to catching you next time for another holistic exploration of artist well-being on Mind the Music.